let's unfold another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm retired broadcaster, Gord Whitehead. We talked about telling people about a dividend trap, Ron. We, we are fans of dividends on this show. We've made no bones about that over the years, that if you can have a stock that pays a decent dividend, it's a good way to grow your portfolio. You get dividend reinvestment plans. But what is a dividend trap? Is this one that pays a good dividend, but they may have to change that? Generally, a dividend trap is a company that pays a high dividend, and that dividend turns out to be unaffordable. So, of course, they have to cut it. And when that happens, the investors hurt in two ways. First of all, their income drops. And secondly, because Canadians especially love their dividends, the reduced dividend means that a lot of investors sell, move elsewhere, and, of course, that can really hurt the price. So you get hurt two ways. You ended up end up with a lower income, and you also end up with uh, a share price that drops. So uh, this eventually can really hurt your profitability of your portfolio if you end up owning a dividend trap or is, is, is effectively known in the industry as a, a dividend pig. Okay, so, so are there warning signs if we if we have stocks that pay dividends? What, what should we be watching here? Well, there's four things you need to be uh, paying attention to. The first one is the payout ratio. And the payout ratio is simply what percentage of a company's total income is paid out in dividends. And generally, I like to buy companies that uh, the dividend is no higher than 50% of their earnings. And in, re- in regulated utilities where governments give them a regulated rate of churn, that can go, payout ratio can go as high as 70% or real estate investment trusts. Uh, I'm willing to go 70% of uh, a ratio that's called funds from operations. And so you, if, if you start getting higher, the risk get higher. And so companies with higher yields, in other words, if you get a company that's paying out uh, a dividend, that's uh, 5 or 6%, um, and you'll find that generally more, most of their earnings are going toward dividends, and you've got to ask yourself uh, if that dividend is over 8%, especially 8, 9, 10, 11. The warning siren should really be going off here that you're going to see a pending rate cut. So companies with high yields, especially over 6%, and once they get over 8%, then, like I say, this the the siren should be going off that you really want to do some extra homework before you end up with something like that. Third issue is certainly companies with high debt. And, you know, Gord, we've talked about this ad infinitum on the show about we like companies that can pay all their debt off with less than three years worth of cash flow. And if debts are too high, lending institutions will force a company to cut their dividends and uh, to ensure that its uh, loan repayments are, are safe. And I, the fourth warning is when you see companies making frenzied acquisitions and corporate debt is rising and you really don't see uh, what I call normalized earnings because the financials are always in a state of flux, you really don't get a chance to see what the company can do and if the acquiring company uh, is actually paying too much for those acquisitions. So look for high payout ratios, look for companies with high yields above 6%, Look for companies that uh, have high levels of debt and uh, can't pay that debt off in three years or less, and certainly be watching out for companies that have a frenzied level of acquisitions. Uh, You want to do extra homework 
if you've got uh, companies that are anywhere near these levels that we've talked about. So I guess the big question that jumps out here, Ron, is why don't companies reduce the dividends when they have trouble maintaining them? That would that would prove incompetence, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, you'd think so, Gord. And the simple reason is that it highlights management's financial and operational mistakes. And number one, it makes them look bad. And also, if you get a dividend cut and the stock drops, uh, it also hurts management because a lot of management is paid these days with stock options. And if the stock drops... Uh, those stock options are worth a lot less money. So, you know, part of it is just uh, a management issue. And also, banks use the stock price as a gauge of financial strength. And if the share price gets crushed, it can change the terms of the lending agreement and force a higher interest rate on a loan. It can reduce, uh, force the banks to reduce the line of credit or even require additional collateral on a loan. So banks look very, very carefully at stock prices. And, you know, two quick other reasons is, Often companies will acquire uh, shares or, or ownership of other companies and they use their shares for payment. And if their shares get crushed in price, it means that you can make a, a lot less acquisitions because your shares just aren't worth as much. And obviously, if you're an incompetent management and a company cuts its dividend and the stock price crashes, it makes it vulnerable to a takeover at a very cheap price. And typically, if a company gets taken over, because its stock price got crushed, uh, existing management's usually showing the road. So uh, there's there's a lot of reasons. Some are quite selfish why companies don't like to reduce their dividends, and it means that often you have to do your homework, Gord, because nobody's going to do it for you. Okay, so if we want to pay attention here and not get caught in a dividend trap, what's the best way to move forward? Should we be using a certain methodology here? Well, it's called uh, being a dividend aristocrat. Now, in Canada, dividend aristocrats are companies that have increased their dividends five years in a row. And in Canada, there's a number of uh, exchange-traded funds that focus on dividend aristocrats. And one of them that I just brought up is the iShares Canadian Dividend Aristocrats ETF. Their symbol CDZ. And uh, they've got a management expense ratio of 0.66%. 10-year annual return of of 6.6. And in the U.S., well, there's only one company I know that uh, has an ETF that is strictly uh, dividend aristocrats. And, of course, the dividend aristocrats, the benchmark is much higher in the U.S. than it is in Canada. Dividend aristocrats in the U.S. have to have grown 25 years in a row. And so the ProShares S&P 500 dividend aristocrats, the symbol is NOBL. And this is the only U.S. dividend ETF that I know that invests exclusively in the 67 companies in the S&P 500 that have increased their dividends 25 years in a row. This has had a very acceptable return, 10-year annual return of 11.65%, MER of uh, management expense ratio of 0.35% per year. So a lot of people, uh, it's, a, it's a great deal of work. Uh, to be able to come out with the dividend aristocrats where uh, we just thought I'm going to show that as a change, we'd give you some examples of ETFs. I mean, one size fits all. If you want to um, own dividend aristocrats in the United States, which are, you know, you consider there's only 67 countries, companies out of 500 that have paid dividends 25 years in a row and increased those dividends 25 years in a row. That's a pretty exclusive club. And, of course, in Canada, five years in a row isn't a big benchmark. But still, 
uh, it's a pretty good benchmark. And so these are just two ways or two examples that um, if you want to own companies that, that grow dividends and typically don't cut them, uh, these are, are pretty good sources of, of uh, one investment and you've, you've got exposure to that investment strategy. I know one of the companies we've talked about over the past few years on several occasions is it is in the you know the electrical utilities because we all turn the lights on every night <laughs> things like that that don't seem to want to go away and they've managed to increase their dividend for some time haven't they quite some time well yeah I mean there's a number of uh, utilities in Canada that have done just that I mean Fortis uh, and Canadian utilities I think. Uh, I have to go and check my date score, but both of them are right on the cusp of of having increased their dividends for almost 50 years in a row. And actually, I think Canadian Utilities has actually crossed that 50-year mark where they've increased their dividend every year for 50 years. And you think about that, that's an incredible accomplishment. That's remarkable when you when you stop to think. 50 years is a long time, especially you know, Canadian. if you keep making money, right? Oh, yeah. You know, so you're... If, uh, if you're an investor and you've got a company that can consistently increase its earnings and the cash flow it pays out to you, and it's been able to do it for almost five decades, um, you know, it's a definition of a pretty conservative stock. Yeah, we tip our hats to you. All yes, right. absolutely. <laughs> we're back again next week. Uh, we're going to talk about an area that you and I have a particular interest in <laughs> is uh, – People that predict the markets, people that say, oh, I know exactly what the market's going to do. I've yet to meet one who's been accurate on that uh, to any great extent. So do you want to flesh that out a little bit before we get started next week? Yeah, we're going to talk about what makes stock markets move. I mean, sometimes I listen to the explanations of why markets do what they do, and you'll just literally have to scratch your head. You think... These people have no concept of economics of really what goes on behind the scenes. And so if you're interested in understanding when a bull market's going to happen and some of the main indicators of bull and bear markets and what you need to know, well, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about what really moves markets, what makes them go up and down, uh, how cyclical are they, uh, when should you get in, and... Um, you know, when is there more risk in the markets? So we're going to unpack that. It's not a big show, but we're, we're going to give you four common sense indicators or what drives markets. And we're going to talk about why markets move in cycles. And uh, when you're an investor, what this means for your portfolio and how to take advantage of it. So there's lots here. And when hopefully this show is clarifying, because like I say, sometimes I just listen to the drivel on that, uh, that I read in the media about why things go up and down and people don't have a clue what are the main drivers of, that makes an economy go forward and backward and what makes stock markets move up and down and we're going to try and clarify that for you next week. Back with that on the next edition of Making Money on behalf of the financial coach Rod Hebert I'm Gord Whitehead we'll talk to you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional.
The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.